is Jimmy Scroggins, and I'm the lead pastor of Family Church in South Florida. Welcome to the Church for the Rest of Us podcast. On our podcast, we're committed to giving you scalable ideas that you can use with the resources you have right now at your church. So welcome to Church for the Rest of Us. to church for the rest of us. I'm here high atop our office tower in downtown West Palm Beach with my co-host Leslie Bennett and two of the most talented people that we know. I feel like we say that a lot. Well, we know a lot of talented people, <laughs> but our team and our team, we truly are a family. And I just have so much respect, honor, and appreciation for the gifts and talents of every person on our team. But these guys today really do have it all. They're tall. They're handsome. They're talented. They have beautiful wives and families. And today, They're going to talk about how to develop a thriving multi-site worship ministry, and they'll tackle the challenges of attracting, retaining, and launching worship leaders into neighborhood churches who can be healthy culture carriers for our church. That's going to be really good. So let's get to it. We have Pastor Christian Ramos and Pastor John Stepp. Guys, introduce yourselves to our listeners and teach us how to develop more leaders like you. Well, thank you so much, Leslie. Thank you, Pastor Jimmy. Yeah, my name is Christian Ramos. I'm one of the worship pastors here at Family Church, and I'm here with my dear friend. John Stepp. All right. It's awesome to be here together. Man, it's awesome to do this together. And uh, we want to talk to you today about multi-site ministry from the worship ministry angle. We're really, really excited to be here. And honestly, John, I mean, we've been leading this thing together now for how many years? Well, I've been here for eight years. You've been here much longer than I have. Well, I mean, are you calling me old? I, I feel like I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, <laughs> but, I think I've got the, the title you, on that one. You but. do. But hey, I've loved the time that we've been able to spend together, eight years building this together. Yes. And when you got here, we only really had three campuses and we're at 14 now. Right. So the Lord has used you and me and the rest of our team to really build this thing together. And I love what God has allowed us to do really over the last eight years. Yeah. And we definitely don't have... Have all the answers, but we have a lot of things that we've done wrong along the way that we can share with you because as we've talked about along the way, we've kind of been building this airplane while we're flying it. Man, yes. And sometimes I wished we had a little bit more of the plane built before we flew it. <laughs> but in one of the things we're going to talk about really is, is this whole idea of multi-site ministry when it comes to worship. But I want to remind you that this is just a way of doing it. This is just the way that God allowed us to do it. And uh, in your context, it might be different. And I do want to emphasize that we didn't have unlimited budgets here and uh, we have pretty major constraints in terms of that. But God has allowed us to do some really important things. So I want us I want us to just jump right into it and talk a little bit about worship multi-site ministry. And the first thing that I want to just point out is that worship multi-site ministry is a discipleship program. Really, ultimately, spiritual development is key, right, John? We, we're always talking, uh, we're going through books together. We are reading the Bible together. The idea here is that our responsibility is to make our team members better Christians. They, they need to be able to understand the truths of the Bible better by the end of the time they're under your care because it's all about the spiritual formation. And honestly, guys, let's be honest, ministry, it's all about the spiritual formation. So I hope that you're doing this. So multi-site ministry definitely is a discipleship program that focuses on the spiritual development of the people that you're right. serving. We were just talking about this in our worship staff meeting a couple of weeks ago about sometimes we get so focused on the what of what we do that we forget about the who and the why of what we do, which is the most important part of what we do is that we're disciple makers first and foremost. Absolutely. We're not musicians per se. We are musicians 
decisions. But that's not the main call that God has for us. God has called us to people and to people development, that spiritual development, that part is such key. And so under a discipleship program, really you need to develop them spiritually. But also I feel, John, that one of the things that has allowed us to really be successful in this has been that we've created a family environment. And I always talk about, you know, we, like I said before, we have limited resources in doing this. So our guys, not all of our guys are full-timers. Actually, most of the guys that we hire for the new campuses are part-timers. They used to tell me, yeah, here's a hundred bucks, go and hire a part-time worship leader. And I was like, what? (laughs) How am I supposed to do that? Well, what happened was that I've quickly realized that we were going to have to have other currency other than money. And so we started developing this family environment. We sought to create better relationships, an environment that people enjoyed working in, that they found fulfillment. They were having personal growth and development. And all these things together made for a pretty nice package, I guess you could say. It wasn't all salary, but the experience of what they were having was also very, very great. Well, I think this is something that a lot of our listeners will be able to identify with because they probably look at family church and say, hey, you guys have a huge budget and you can pay, you know, you probably got all these full-time positions <laughs> to give out. And that's just not the case. You know, we're in, in many ways, we're just like everyone else, which is why this is the Church for the Rest of Us podcast. Yes is we're trying to figure out how to do this on a on a limited budget but to be able to bring in and attract great people and through relationships is a big way that we do this and i think you've modeled this in a great way christian with a lot of our younger worship leaders that have come on they really see you as a spiritual dad in a lot of ways that you've brought them in and not just given them meaningful opportunities but you've also challenged them to be better husbands, better fathers, better in their personal lives. And you've you've really put a lot of effort into discipling them, which has really anchored them into relationship here in our ministry. Well, John, I appreciate that. And you know, it's one of the the privileges of doing this in the way that we're doing it. And I think you're also seeing this because God has gifted you in a way to do the same. And you've taken that. For example, we have a young guy by the name of Dylan who you've, man, you've poured into that guy. He came in as a college student. He's done everything you've asked him to do. He served in your ministry. And just recently, what happened with Dylan? Well, Dylan's one of those guys that's just, it's a pleasure to do it. And we this is why we love doing what we do is because Dylan came in as a college freshman and got involved in our ministry right away. And we were able to start mentoring him. He's been a summer intern twice in our worship department. And just a few weeks ago at our campus, we were able to pray for him and send him off to be the worship leader at his own campus in Jensen Beach that we're going to be launching soon. Yeah, it's so exciting, man, to see those guys. And part of what you created in that I think we've been able to create is this family environment with these guys. Look, Dylan ain't going to go over there to make a ton of money, okay? He's been a very part-time basis, but he wants mm-hmm. to be here. He's a DNA carrier. He loves the culture of our church. Right. And all of that because we've created these environments and experiences that go beyond what you can pay a guy. That's okay? right. You're not going to have all the money in the world to pay the guy what you really want. Ultimately, hopefully one day you will. But for the time being, give them experiences, uh, personal growth to the point where that becomes part of the currency that you use to keep them here. Another thing about under the discipleship program is that you need to seek to give your team experiences 
that will mark them for the rest of their lives in ministry. And John, you know me. I love this. Like yes. to me, I always say I want all of our guys and our worship leaders to have the very first experience of this or that with us. I want them to look back 20 years from now and say, man, I remember the first time I recorded a song. I remember the first time I went to this trip or that trip. I did that with family church. I did that with John. I did that with Christian. Yeah. And I want to I want to develop these memories for them and experiences that they look back and they say, man, that time was so, so special. Those have been some of the biggest bonding times for our team is when we've gone to Nashville to record or we've gone for a conference or songwriting retreats. Yes. You know, we do songwriting retreats, not just to write songs. We actually say songwriting is secondary, That's right. but it's really for team building. It is for team building. And these experiences, man, they, they bring us together. We grow together as, you know, we learn from one another. And it's just part of that currency that we keep talking about. It's very, very important. And, you know, one final thing under the discipleship program is that uh, proximity actually matters. And the smaller you are, the easier it is to be together. As the organization grows, you're going to need to fight for proximity and for time together. And uh, John, I think our Tuesday meetings, actually, if you mentioned this, that if we're not in that meeting, what happens? Yeah. My wife, Toy, and I were talking about this the other day, is that if we didn't have our Tuesday meetings, our organization has grown to the point where I wouldn't know half of our worship leaders if I didn't get to meet with them on a regular basis. And and we get such joy from meeting together. But you're going to have to, uh, you know, at the beginning, again, proximity is a lot easier. Being together is a lot easier. But as you grow, you have to fight for those times together. John, what's what, what do we do next? What's point number two? Well, uh, we said point number one, uh, multi-site ministry is a discipleship program, but it's also a recruitment program. We're always in recruiting mode in what we do. This never stops for if you're a leader in a multi-site ministry. And there's really, it's, it's a twofold thing. You've got the day-to-day recruiting of being able to identify people in your congregation that are gifted to contribute to your worship ministry and really, and then bringing them into that discipleship, disciple-making program. But it's also playing long ball with other people in your life that are outside the church and building relationships. This is something that you've been really great at, Christian, over the years, is building into folks that aren't just inside the walls of the church. And maybe they're doing something now that they love and they're engaged in, And but a few years down the road, as their life circumstances change, they're going to remember that conversation they had with you a few years ago. They're going to remember that you called to check up with them six months ago, and they're going to call you and say, hey, you know, I remember you said this thing. I'd like to talk about that more. And I think that's the that's the idea behind playing long ball in your recruiting process is extending it beyond just the walls of the church. Yeah, I think it's very important, John. We've seen a lot of fruit that we've been bearing out of that. And mainly it's out of relationship, right? So you're you're loving on other worship leaders and other worship pastors and people that are doing exactly what you're doing and going through the same situations that you're doing. And if you become an encourager throughout your life, what you're going to see is that you're going to reap some great benefits from that. And part of that has been the relationships that God has given us. And those relationships have turned into working relationships over time. So I'm really re- grateful for the opportunity to play long ball with a lot of friends like that.
Well, and part of recruiting is developing a strong vision and being able to share it quickly and often. You need to be able to, in 30 seconds, share with someone what your ministry is pointed at. That's a that's a huge tool in being able to attract people to what you're doing in your worship ministry. And the other big mechanism in there is developing a robust internship program that allows young people to come in and do meaningful ministry in their time with you. When interns come and serve with us during the summer, we don't just have them stapling packets together uh, for, for the summer. They're actually getting the opportunity to lead on some of our biggest platforms. We're giving them the opportunity to actually go and plan and execute most of our summer camps here and giving them actual real meaningful ministry to do that's going to impact their future. And when they come, we're looking at them as as potential leaders in our organization in the future. So we're interviewing them in a sense for that, but they're also interviewing us because they've got other opportunities for internships. So we want them to know that if they're coming here, they're going to leave our church at the end of the summer better and more equipped for ministry than they were when they got here. Yeah, that's such a great point. And I think when we say develop a robust internship program, we're not talking about numbers, right? Although hopefully God will give you the opportunity to have thousands of interns, but it's the quality of the opportunities that they receive during that internship program. And we really allow interns to speak into some of the most important things within our ministry. And who else gets that opportunity over eight weeks in the summer? You know, it's hard to find that. And so we make sure that we're intentional with them and giving them those opportunities that are really valuable. So that was number two. And number three is that multi-site ministry is really an employee retention program. And what do I mean by that? When you bring new people and you're recruiting, you feel excited. You're like, yes, we got this other guy. But honestly, keeping your team members is just as important as recruiting new ones. Your ability to retain team members long-term is ultimately going to add stability and strength to your ministry team. And so it is always better, easier, cheaper to keep an employee than to bring somebody else new. So allow people, and this is something that we talk a lot about, and it's modeled by our pastor, Pastor Jimmy, is that we want to allow people room in the security to share how they're feeling and whether God is doing something new in their lives, or maybe they're feeling like they're ready to launch out, or God is calling them to a different ministry. You know what? People are not betraying you by leaving. Everybody has a time to depart. So I think having open channels of communication within your team is part of keeping your team and keeping them together. I think that open communication is such a huge piece because we all have normal frustrations that rise up from day to day of doing ministry. And in in any job that you have, you're going to have a certain amount of frustration. And even little frustrations can grow into big frustrations if you don't have the open communication lines to be able to discuss them with the people you need to discuss them with. If they know that I'm going to come to Christian with this frustration and he's going to blow up at me and tell me, you know, well, if you don't like it, you can find another church. (laughs) Well, guess what? They're not going to talk to you about it and they are going to go find another church to serve at. But if they know that it's a safe environment to, to come to you and say, Hey, this is, this has been kind of bothering me. I'd love to talk about this. And you're going to help them actually work through it and find a pathway through this frustration, it's going to actually add value to them and ultimately to your ministry. Yeah. And one of the things that we ask constantly 
in our meetings and in one-on-ones, we say, hey, what are some obstacles that we can remove? And what are some expectations that we can reset, right? right? And we got that from our pastor because part of what we want people to be talking about is sometimes you have these obstacles that are making you feel discouraged, right? That you feel like you can't really move forward unless somebody else helps you accomplish them. Right. So I want to have the conversation constantly of what are the obstacles that are making you frustrated? And then what are the expectations that need to be reset? Because maybe when you started, the expectation level was a certain one. And over time, the organization has changed. And now those expectations need to be reset because otherwise you are going to continue to feel frustrated. So we want to have these open conversations with our team. And that's part of retaining people in our church. And another part of retention, this is a part B of this, is that uh, something that multi-site organization allows you to do is that it gives you the opportunity to move people around their seats on the bus, right? And what I mean by that is that there are many other positions that maybe if somebody's that's starting to develop sort of like a righteous frustration in their role, you have the opportunity to maybe move them according to their giftedness into another role of ministry within your organization. Right. And this is one of the beauties of multi-site, right? Because what, what we know is that in a multi-site organization, there are always open seats on the bus, all right? Yes. So, because yeah. we're always growing. And we're but always launching people we're into always, new things. Absolutely. And actually... You know, to give an example about that, we had a guy who was one of our worship pastors, and uh, recently, in the last couple of years, he became the creative pastor of our church. Right. And look, the guy was integral to our team, but we knew that he had other gifts that he could really use for the rest, for all the church as a whole, and we moved them into that role of creative pastor. Or we had another worship leader, also very integral to our team, that we launched out and moved them into a campus pastor role. Mm -hmm. And he has incredible speaking gifts and teaching gifts. And both are thriving in their new roles. They are. Mm -hmm. And there was a certain like righteous frustration they were feeling and we were trying to figure out what it was. But as we talked about it, we kept the lines of communication open. We realized they have other gifts that they want to utilize. How can we move their seat on the bus? Well, and I think at the time we were like, how can we possibly fill their their seats where they currently are because these guys hold so much weight in our ministry. But as we move people into new seats, it opened up seats that have allowed new people to rise up into. And that's that's the way we've seen God work in our organization is as spots open up, he provides qualified people to come up in that we can keep training. Absolutely. And uh, I will say, just get creative. Get creative with how you place people in different seats on the bus and don't think that people are only able to do one thing. They multi-site somebody can do something else that might be outside of your ministry. I think that's one of the most damaging things that you can do is to pigeonhole people into, <laughs> this is what you are, this is the only thing that you do, and this is all that you'll ever do in that's our right. organization. No, absolutely right. And that's one of the things that I love about our organization. I never feel pigeonholed like no. that or like there's no other opportunities for me. So I'm really thankful for that. If anything, I'm feeling like, like please let me do this a little bit longer. <laughs> that's right. That is so true. And one final thing under employee retention is that I think how we launch people out of our ministries really matters, John. Right. You know, when someone decides to leave your team, you really say a lot 
by the way you help them launch out, mm -hmm. right? Other people on your team, they're watching how you approach this and how you react to the situation. So be kind, be generous, be helpful, be encouraging as team members leave, share your deep love for them publicly, send them off as part of the family you're going to dearly miss. And again, you, you have to remember what I said before, that their exit is not a betrayal. Okay. Yeah. And so this is very important. If we are a sending church, then we can't just celebrate sending when it benefits us. That's right. right? That is right. We have to celebrate sending them and launching them into whatever God's calling them hey, into. Now, to, that, to that point, John, I think thinking as a big C, the picture of the, the big C church, right. you know, when you launch out, you prepared somebody not just for the thing that you're doing locally, but you're sending them out to the big C church for God to use them in, in somewhere else. And we're still in the same kingdom. We're still doing the same work. And so you got to have a kingdom mentality when you're when you're launching people and when you're developing people, because many of them will ultimately launch out mm -hmm. to other ministries. Mm -hmm. Our last point, which is point number four, is that multi-site worship ministry a lot of times requires you to develop a new way of thinking about ministry. And the first thing you really need to address is determining your model as a leader. Are you going to be a player coach model, which is a lot of what we are here, which means you're going to actually be doing a lot of the ministry while you're coaching and training other leaders that are coming up uh, inside of your ministry? Or are you going to be more of a manager where you're overseeing and really developing a team of people underneath you that are actually doing the do on the on the day-to-day -day basis? So what what model are you going to be doing? And then once you determine your model, you have to be able to release things mm -hmm that you love doing, that others can do, so that you can focus on things that only you can do. This is something that I've seen you do many times, Christian, is when I first started with Family Church, and we had a, we had a much smaller team then, but, but it was still a significant team compared to most. And we would, we would do these big all-campus events, and we'd have a lot of people in the room, and we'd be leading worship on, on the platform. And I looked down, and Christian's sitting in the front row as a worshiper instead of being on platform, because even though the one of the most talented leaders that I've ever met, you realize the importance of opening up spots for some of these other guys to, to get up and get experience and get leadership reps up front. And that all goes back to releasing the things that, and I know you love being up yes, there and course. leading. It's 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 your gifting. It's how you're wired. But you also, in a bigger sense, see the value of opening those spots for others. Yeah. And John, I think as you do that, as you release those things that you love to do, what God does in your heart is that God gives you satisfaction in other ways, right? So you you release these things that you always thought were the things you really wanted to do, right? And But now over time, what's happened is that my heart has changed and I get more satisfaction from seeing God use somebody else do those things than I get from me doing them myself. And so it's such a beautiful sort of shift that happens in your heart as you release things. And I will say, you know, at the end of the day, you are ultimately responsible for the ministry. So God still has you as the leader over the ministry, but you can release the things and take joy in seeing others develop in that way. Well, and there's no greater joy in what we do than being able to launch folks out to lead their own teams 
like Dylan and like some of these other guys that we've that we've been able to launch out and really see them grow and thrive and flourish and exponentially grow the impact of your ministry. Which actually takes us to the last point under this, which is this idea of our duty being to support other campuses. That's what you were hinting at. That's right. That's right. And this means that in a multi-site ministry, as the leader of a multi-site ministry, you're not just responsible for what's going on at your campus, but you always have to be thinking about that 10,000 feet view of how is how, how are we doing as a church as a whole, and what can we be doing to better support each other, to better resource each other, and goes back in a lot of ways to those lines of communication and these weekly meetings that we have to be able to talk about, hey, what's going on at your campus? How can we better support you? How can we better resource you? And man, you know, we've had conversations, this has happened to you and it's happened to me, but we've had conversations with drummers, with singers, guitar players, worship leaders that we encourage to go to other campuses in order to support, even though they're coming from us and we spent years pouring into them. Dylan, for example, three mm-hmm. years you've poured into this guy. Now he's going to another campus. Hey, it was a lot easier when he was there, wasn't it? Right. I mean, you could take vacation off, time off, you could do all these things and he would cover for you because he, he knew how to do it. You have poured into his life, but you launched them out to something else. So well, and guess what? I launched him out not knowing where my next leader was coming from. And guess what? This past week, I had somebody that's been involved in our worship ministry for years that led Frontline right next to me and did a great job. He, that was the first time he'd done it at our campus. And so we send someone out, God brings other people to fill those positions. Man, and that's so powerful, John. And I think the greatest example of this, obviously, is Jesus. I mean, you think about Jesus came into this world. He came to establish the kingdom, but he did it through these disciples, right? He chooses 12, and then he pours three years into these guys in his ministry. And then afterwards, he says, hey, you're going to do greater things. And he sends them out, and they establish the church. And you and I were sitting here today talking about how to build a multi-site ministry and how to uh, right. help people and disciple people. And all we're trying to do is follow the example of Jesus Christ, who gave us, a, who basically taught us that the best thing you can do to multiply the effect that you have for the kingdom of God is to pour into other people. Well, I think as long as we can keep seeing ourselves as disciple makers versus the tendency that we have sometimes to view musicians as a musical commodity that we can use to benefit our church. If we can see ourselves as disciple makers, it's going to really bring value to them, bring value to the kingdom, and ultimately, that's the miss, our mission as Christians. I believe so. And I'm praying for all these churches that are listening to this podcast today. And if you're developing a multi-site ministry, if you're trying and thinking about how God can utilize you to do any of these things, I just want to remind you people development, people development, yes. disciple people, love them, help them grow. And so it's the example of our Savior, Jesus. And so we're so grateful that you joined us here today. So I'm going to send it back to you, Leslie and Pastor Jimmy. Like I said, they are two of the best and two of the reasons that we have a great team here at Family Church. Yeah, you know, Christian and John, they are incredibly talented, dedicated, faithful. They're good brothers. They're good employees. They're good pastors. They're good leaders. They're just good dudes. And I'm just hoping that our listeners will pick up on that. And I hope that every pastor at every church feels the way that I do about our worship leaders here at Family Church. These guys are guys I admire. They're pastors in my life and the lives 
of my family members, and I just couldn't admire them more as brothers and friends. Hey, I hope you guys that are listening will recommend this podcast to your friends. Better yet, leave us a rating and some comments on your favorite podcasting platform so other people can find this podcast more easily. Now, we will be back next week to wrap up this season with a discussion on building an internship program. Leslie, we get a lot of questions Mm -hmm. about this here at Family Church, so I hope this will be helpful. For now, though, I'm Jimmy Scroggins signing off for Leslie Bennett, Christian Ramos, and John Stepp. This has been Church for the Rest of Us. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. I'd love for you to check out FamilyChurchNetwork.com to chime in on our blog or follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Scroggins. We want to connect with you and learn from you because we're in this together. We're all learning from each other. We are church for the rest of us.